Hello friends, I am back. Welcome to the first episode of Talking Utilities in 2019. As always, I'm your host, Ben Lind, and let me take a quick moment to wish you all a very healthy and prosperous new year. On today's episode, I was joined by John Hutchins of EDF Energy's Blue Lab. The Blue Lab is the innovation arm of EDF Energy's commercial department, and John's main focus is on that of the smart home. Now, this was a very interesting conversation. We got into the importance of an innovative culture that permeates through an entire organization. We talked about what an incredible time it is for technology in the sector, and I know that those of you who listen regularly will already know that. And John spoke to us about how important it is for utilities companies to diversify their product offering. It's something that I touched on in my most recent article and um, something that EDF Energy are doing uh, with the work that's gone on in the Blue Lab is based around sort of installing smart sensors in people's homes so that you can track the energy usage of somebody that you care about, somebody who might be a bit more dependent on you. So you can see when the lights have gone on, what the temperature is, when they last clicked their kettle on. And it's just a nice sort of passive way of making sure that somebody who you care about is all right and carrying out their daily routine as they should be. Uh, goes without saying, but John is going to go into a lot more detail of it in the episode. Uh, it's an absolute Absolutely cracking chat. Uh, I'm sure you're going to get a lot from it. So, with no further ado, please welcome John Hutchins. Okay, so joined on Talking Utilities today by John Hutchins from EDF Blue Lab. John, thanks very much for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm fine, thanks very much, Ben. Nice to be here. Yes, indeed, you as well. So, for anyone who's not familiar with EDF Blue Lab, John, first and foremost, can you let us know uh, sort of what they do? Sure. So, EDF Energy's Blue Lab is the innovation accelerator for the retail part of our business. So, we're set up in order to accelerate the uh, the, the change in in the main business. Uh, as as we all know, that the utility market is. It's going through significant change. It's, it's disrupted by the same uh, kind of digital disruption and new technology that, that most other industries are going uh, are going through. Uh, and the, the Blue Lab is here to, to have a look at some of those new trends, the new technologies, uh, the new ways of doing things, um, not only to create new products and services that we can offer to our customers that, that we think will uh, kind of make their lives better and their, their businesses better, but also, uh, we have the, the kind of mandate to look at innovative ways of doing things, new organizational models and structures so that we can pass on some of that kind of innovation culture over to the main part of the business. So uh, we're, we're kind of uh, internally and externally disrupting as best we can. Yeah, that sounds like a very interesting line of work to be involved in. Yes, it's great fun. It's uh, every day is very, very different. Um, and coming from a, a relatively a kind of uh, standard professional background in our corporation corporate strategy department, um, going into the world of digital design, uh, customer experience, uh, customer testing, and all those kinds of things is uh, is is really good fun. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to hear that uh, customer testing plays a bit of a role because it's uh, that's something that I want to touch on um, a little bit later. I just wanted to uh, quickly go back to what you'd said about sort of the utilities and energy sector um, sort of being ready to embrace kind of, let's say, 
these more readily available uh, innovative technologies because I think that for a few years this has kind of been something that's been on the cusp of happening. Um, financial was probably the the first major industry to sort of maybe embrace sort of something closer to a, to a, a digital revolution. Um, and just sort of wanted to ask how big a challenge has it been um, to kind of into to kind of sort of embrace that digital transformation mindset. Um. I'd say it's uh, as with as with any kind of organisation where you've got kind of tried and tested processes, um, the the ability to adopt kind of new technologies, um, particularly where uh, I think the utilities, the the processes and uh, a business has been optimised to within an inch of its life, mm. uh, putting putting new things and and kind of disrupting some of those processes is is always going to be a fairly significant challenge. Um, not least because our our systems are, are kind of very very bespoke to the the utility market and the the kind of complex arrangements that we we got kind of we have with our customers and the the different types of meters that they have the different types of customers the di- different types of tariffs and uh, and billing arrangements all of those are they're, they're things that we've been sort of working towards for tens of years mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. sort of putting in. New technology into those those kind of existing processes is 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 quite difficult. Um, that said, uh, what we're what we're trying to do in the Blue Lab is show that it's kind of using a, a proof of concept approach. Um, I mean, it's 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 nothing new when you look at what all of the the kind of digital disruptors are doing. But, yeah. but kind of taking that kind of microservices, uh, kind of uh, start small, uh, think big, move fast approach. Um, is is the way to to kind of prove out some of these these new way, new ways of doing things without kind of breaking breaking existing processes and bringing people along with you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, one of the you know you, my kind of background is is, is in technology um, is in technology as well, and sort of one of the things that you hear being thrown around a lot these days is sort of the idea of sort of rapid rapid prototyping, um, you know, failing fast so that you get to the solution that actually works. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's really interesting to hear that that approach is kind of being more widely adopted by kind of businesses across across differing sectors. Uh, what is your sort of uh, specific role at, at, at the Blue Lab there? Uh, John, what's your day to day like? So my my title is uh, the head of the Smarter Living team. Um, cool. Started life as the the head of connected homes, um, where I think when when Blue Lab was set up in probably 2015, we identified a number of emerging themes that were important for us to assess uh, as in, uh, for for innovation, um, and connected home was one of those big ones. Um, when I when I kind of came into the role, we were doing a lot of work with different uh, technologies, different devices, um, with with a fairly techno push, and and connected home kind of lends itself to a bit of a techno techno push. Mm. Um, and since I've been part of the team, um, I've I've been I've spoken to my customer experience team, my my user experience team, and and they really impressed upon me the the fact that. Actually, what we're doing is too techno, and and we we need to go back to customers' needs. Um, so I, I suppose the the change to smarter living means that we're we're looking at really how how can innovation help our customers live their lives in a in a simpler, more effective way, and and help households thrive. Um, so my my role is is kind of the overseeing the the work that we're doing it in. Kind of innovating in the residential slash mass market space. Okay. So it's it's 
not only on the, the side of improving the service that we give our customers and using innovation to sort of supercharge the existing utility service that we provide, mm -hmm. um, but it's also looking at uh, technology, including smart meters, uh, to understand how we can offer a broader service than just energy. So um, at the moment, we've got projects that are looking at uh, energy data visualization and, and helping people be more efficient. But equally, equally we've got uh, projects that are looking at using energy data for doing things like uh, monitoring a loved one uh, in their home to, to see if they're okay from afar. Or um, we've, uh, we've also launched a, a smart home store where we use all of the, the knowledge we had about what, what customers are, are saying is, is a barrier to entry for, for smart home uh, so that they can start to get some really like, fulfilling experience with smart home tech in their homes. That sounds excellent, man. I think that I definitely want to talk more about the um, about this the sort of the, the smart sensors in the home um, that you touched on there. But I also want to talk a little bit about, um, and I, not in too much detail, but a bit about smart meters and so, and the the wealth of, of, of data and um, and subsequent information that these things can sort of bring to suppliers. I think that there's really still kind of an, an untapped well of, of potential there when it comes to understanding not just people's like you usage data and how much how much they're consuming but also kind of they're using it as a almost as like a, a dashboard for the entire home and sort of having it connect with things such as you know voice enabled technology within the home to you know maybe manage your account and things like that sure um so i, I absolutely agree that the that the smart the smart meter Kind of, it's an untapped worth of, that, of, uh, of data value there, um, which I think few people have, have managed to unlock so far. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the, we're, we're using it in a, in a couple of ways, and I've, I've touched on the fact that um, you can use use the data to almost give the, the consumer the smart meter experience that they always expected when they got a smart meter. Yeah. I think a, a lot of customers understand that when they get a smart meter, they're going to have this kind of revolutionary experience where they can see exactly how they're using their energy, what's costing the most, what, when are they, when are they, kind of, when, when's the best time to consume, when it's not, and and so on. Um, and at the moment, whilst the IHDs that are given out to customers, or the, the in-home displays that are given out to customers, uh, give that kind of first step to understanding their energy use, it doesn't really guide them through with insight. Um, so we're doing plenty of work uh, using some fairly uh, innovative technology, including pattern detection. Mm -hmm. When we look at the, the raw kind of energy data that, or the energy feed from the house, we can start to detect what kinds of appliances are being used, and therefore we can attach uh, a, a consumption for that appliance to an amount of money. And so suddenly you can, you can give people a kind of an energy breakdown, uh, and you can start to give advice about how you can reduce your energy by by uh, by uh, making tweaks to those different elements in your home. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely that side. And then more broadly, um, I think I, I like to think that the the uh, smart meter is almost a part of the sensor ecosystem in your home. So if you think about the way that you you use energy in your home. It's linked to pretty much every activity that you do, whether it's watching the TV or cooking or, uh, or even going out and not using any, any energy. So it's a really rich uh, sensor. Of course, we, 
we are completely conscious of the, the kind of privacy concerns around using data for kind of understanding what people are doing in their homes. Mm-hmm. But I think there are some really interesting use cases where you can say to a customer, actually, if you, if you give us access to that data, we can, and I've, I've touched on that, that kind of using, using it to give loved ones a, a good idea of what's going on. Yeah. Uh, but there are particular value cases where that makes sense. And we're exploring all of those areas, uh, including not just ourselves, but looking at uh, how we could use that data with partners to mm-hmm. create new services that customers really love. Excellent. And how do you guys go about establishing relationships with, say, other parties that might be able to offer complementary services? So, I mean, do you is everything done in-house? Do you have partners for certain elements of it? Um, we definitely have partners. Uh, the way that the Blue Lab's been set up, we we have a couple of kind of product development teams. One that's focused on is my area, and another one that's kind of a, a bit uh, to to do more with uh, new business models and larger assets. Okay, cool. But feeding into those two product teams, we have uh, what we call the innovation partnership team, um, and their role is to do startup scouting. Uh, they we run a an external challenge. Um, each year where we invite custom, uh, different companies to, to propose solutions that we might be interested in. Um, we have a, we're, we're a part of a partnership in London uh, called Ideal London with uh, Cisco and UCL, uh, which is an, uh, a startup accelerator. Okay. And we're able to uh, place startups that we're working with in partnership in, into Ideal London to give them access not only to office space but uh, mentors and, and other companies that are, are doing things in the same field. Excellent, John. That sounds great. So what I'm interested um, in now, I suppose, is if you can take us through a little bit about the approach towards sort of implementing um, these these innovative you know, um, platforms and, and products that you guys put into the market. And in particular, how big a part does the user research or indeed user feedback play? Um, that's a really good question. Uh, in, in Blue Lab, we like to work to a framework that we call the four, four Ds, um, which is uh, discover, design, develop, deploy. Right. Uh, and it's been set up, and it's a framework that we've set up that uh, is, is kind of fully scoped out to allow someone that hasn't developed a product before from our main business to come over and, uh, and understand exactly how how to develop a product through, or take an idea from absolute inception to deployment. Um, and within those initial discovery phases, what I really like about that is, um, unlike the, the kind of pressured commercial environment in the, 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 the main business, um, we give an idea time and space to percolate, to be understood. Um, so a major part of that discovery per- period is, um, is working up prototypes, working up concepts, uh, and testing them with customers, um, and and almost we in that discovery phase, we try to go as broad as we possibly can. We know that there's a customer need or an idea that someone's had, uh, and then we we try and find all of the different solutions, understand the market, understand the customers that uh, are needing it, and really trying to to get under the skin of those customer needs. And then in the design phase, we're we're really working that into um, sketches, prototypes, things that that people can interact with. Um, and my customer experience team, uh, or my user experience team, uh, 
we'll be working with customers at every step through that process. So we will be doing initial uh, kind of focus groups mm -hmm. or interviews or surveys to understand customer needs. Mm -hmm. um, then as we work things into a, a more kind of a, a solid idea, we go back to customers, get their feedback as we go along. Um, and there are a range of approaches that we use for doing that from the very basic kind of uh, customer stories, personas, segments in that discovery phase where we're not really talking to customers, but we have an idea of, of a type of customer we might be uh, looking at, yeah. all the way through to uh, fairly rapid uh, prototyping and then deploying on digital, uh, digital platforms that customers uh, can come and interact with pretty quickly. Okay. Um, and then all the way through to when we when we start uh, turning that into something that's a working prototype or something that we want to really trial and, and start turning into a kind of commercial proposition, we go through uh, periods of trials. So we like to go through kind of a, a, a 10 person, 100 person, 1000 person, 10,000 person step. So those orders of magnitude to get a better understanding each phase. Um, and often it, in, the, in the initial phases, it will be sort of technical trials to understand uh, whether the thing even works. Mm -hmm. Then it, at the next order of magnitude, it will be getting feedback about the proposition and exactly what, what's going wrong, what, what's working, what people like, what people dislike. And then uh, you kind of hone it down as you go through. So at every stage of that process, we're, we're getting rich customer feedback. It's uh, it's an absolutely invaluable part of the process getting the getting the users and um, you know getting their their getting them involved as early as possible. I think that when you when you're building, sometimes the temptation when you're sort of working in a particularly innovative field or with a particularly exciting piece of technology is to kind of lose sight of what the actual goal is. And I think it was um, it was very important that what you said earlier about the working in the smart work sorry making your home smarter or more innovative doesn't necessarily mean technology for technology's sake it means actually looking at um solving a problem absolutely um i think so i we've had a couple of nice examples recently where um we we have seen an idea uh, particularly in the sensitive areas where we're using uh data as a kind of monitoring uh feed that that kind of that kind of sensor feed um where if you don't get the, the the proposition right or you pitch it in in a little bit the, the wrong way, the, whilst it, it might be uh, a great idea and at, at its heart a great valuable product, um, the customer feedback can be pretty pretty uh, strong. Um, and we, we, mm -hmm. we've been working on something quite recently where uh, we, we believed that product was was going to provide a real like compelling human value case. But actually, when we went and tested it with customers, they they kind of said, "Well, how very dare you? Um, I don't wow. I don't need you to tell me that kind of stuff." Right. Um, which is just sort of pause that bit of work and figure out just exactly how we we, we change it now. Yeah, that's yeah, that's interesting. So that, I suppose when you think about it that way, like there probably there must be loads of things that, albeit might have been pretty cool propositions but they never see the light of day because they don't fail the you know they, they don't get past the the screen test as it were certainly certainly very cool so i mean in terms of um yeah i mean in terms of like anything particularly cool that you guys are that you guys have just implemented that that you care to share with us i know that you've mentioned a couple of times um making data available to help sort of more vulnerable people in the home um so you know would you be okay to talk about that a little bit 
Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so just last week, we launched a product that we, uh, we've been working with for a couple of years now uh, called House, um, spelled H-O-W-Z. Right. Um, which consists of uh, a kind of a system of just, just three sensors that you can put into uh, either a, a kind of an elderly or um, additional needs person's home, mm-hmm. um, just to keep a really unintrusive check on how they're doing. I mean, and we're talking uh, a motion sensor, uh, a door sensor, and uh, a smart plug that you can tell if someone's turned the kettle on. Um, and it was developed by a company um, that, that consists of a guy who's really uh, clever with data and, and can spot patterns, uh, and, a, and a, an experienced physiotherapist that's, who's been working with um, elderly patients for, for, for many years. Um, and that, that those two came together and, and said, look, there's something here about um, uh, helping people live independently for longer uh, just by giving... Uh, their their kind of wider ecosystem of, of friends and family, just just early sight of what's going on in the the home. And now it's it's not the kind of uh, telecare emergency button that people associate with kind of assisted living and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's something uh, I suppose less less acute than that. Um, that just it's just a really it's a really nice uh, example of of where you can use some, a couple of bits or a couple of feeds of data to um, to give assurance that someone's okay from afar. Um, and I, I mean, I, I really love it because at some stage, um, that just that link to the, the smart plug means that actually we might be able to exchange that for smart meter data and mm-hmm. and use that to, to give pretty much anybody that's our customer that has a smart meter access to this service at, at, at kind of minimal extra cost. Yeah, that, that sounds like one of the ones where from the outside you can absolutely see the benefit of it and it's almost a case of why would you not want to install that in your home either as say the direct quote unquote user or the person who would potentially be getting more out of that data i.e. the the peace of mind that their loved one was you know safe and and well and and behaving normally what has the um what were the sort of early what have been sort of what yeah what's the reception been like for that have you had some people who were sort of more into their privacy perhaps acting what you could argue kind of against their own best interests um so we we've been through a process where uh we've we've taken it through the steps i i spoke about before. the 4d's yeah so we we ran a technical trial and then we ran uh, a kind of a more of a, a, a customer trial mm-hmm. um and we we i think we we uh, launched a kind of 500-person free trial uh, that we emailed out to our customers. Cool. Um, and, and those went like hotcakes. I think they sold out within a, a matter of hours on the day that we did that last, uh, just uh, last year, in fact. Um, and after that, the, the reception was absolutely phenomenal. Um, we've had uh, people saying that it's, it's kind of revolutionized the relationship that they've had with their parents. Mm-hmm. We've had... Uh, the um, the people that have had it installed, like you said, they they said it's a brilliant source of data for them to go and speak to uh, their carers, their GPs, their physiotherapists, all of those things. So um, the and, and I've got a bunch of use cases, or sorry, of, of stories where um, actually people have have found something out about their parents or found something about themselves that they didn't realise was happening. Um, so the 
the, the feedback about the overall service has been awesome. Um, what we learned from that, that, that process was actually that it was possibly too difficult to install. Uh, it was more difficult to pair up. Um, so the, some of the practical kind of installation bits were, were, were too difficult for the, the target market. And that led us to going back with House to go and find uh, new hardware manufacturers, to change that up, to change the app so it was more user-friendly, to change bits of the user journey. Um, so that's it's been an incredibly powerful process to go through uh, thoroughly that user testing process before we got to this stage uh, last week where we could launch it and be confident that actually we've got a lot of those, those basics uh, sorted so that people get the right experience from the product now that we're, we're kind of selling it commercially. How many would you say you've got in the wild at the moment? Uh, I think it's in so it's in the hundreds at the moment, yeah. um, and we are we're working through. I think the last week was a, a relatively soft launch, and we're we're going to be uh, working over the next few months uh, to to ramp up marketing efforts. Um, similarly, just just making sure as we go that that, that everything's working before mm -hmm. we we kind of scale up. Yeah, sounds good. And I would assume with that, um, sort of the, you know part of the initial offering would be uh, some kind of mobile platform for people to be able to kind of log in and, and check the behavior of the person that they're looking in on, yeah? Uh, absolutely. So yeah. There's, a, there's a mobile app and there's a, there's a desktop-based app as well, so okay. you can have a look and see how people are doing. And it sends you notifications if there's any abnormal activity. Mm -hmm. And uh, What we found with the, the physiotherapist from Hells is that actually it's not just the day-to-day something is different today but over a longer period of time um, you can spot deterioration in sleep patterns activities during the day and that that can be an indicator of of, uh, of wider problems yeah people staying up too late watching tv <laughs> absolutely lovely well I, I think well yeah i think that um well it's I, I think that's a really interesting area just because sort of from well from my own experience with you know we, we've all got grandparents and, and things like that but it's I think it's what I, it's interesting to hear is that you're trying to do this in sort of as le as little and an obtrusive way as possible because uh, pro I think obviously I'm sure your your user research will have will have said the same thing is that kind of elderly people they don't want to be seen as, as a burden and then even if they're having difficulties with something a lot of the time they won't necessarily flag it up so being able to sort of give this information passively you know it it, it really kind of liberates them a bit more as well absolutely um that we we know that with with some of the telecare solutions there's kind of a bit of a stigma attached to them equally um we've had a lot of feedback saying I don't want a smart camera. I don't want anything, anybody to see what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. but this, so there's a fine line, and we we believe that the the kind of the house solution is 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 about that line. Yeah, I'd be inclined to agree. I mean, I think that if it's as we've said, if you're kind of passively giving the data, like somebody knows when your kettle's going on or what temperature your room is, it's it's not quite as scary as them being able to to see you. Not quite as Orwellian. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, the, I, the other question, I think, well, the other thing that, that is interesting to me is that, is it important for companies like Blue Lab or EDF Blue Lab to kind of diversify their offering in this way? So, you know, um, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one, you know, you see EDF and you think, well, I know EDF, I know what they do. But then you read in the article, you know, home sensor for, you know, smart, smart sensors in people's homes and then you think like, Ah, like, and you can, it, it, you know, the two marry up very well, but
but it's yeah. not what you immediately well it's not yet what you immediately think of when you think of edf so do you think it's important that companies similar to yourselves are looking to kind of add more strings to the bow uh, absolutely i think um so i, I think there's a like the, the the product life cycle for for energy supply is is a pretty I mean it's been a long t- time uh, to to develop I think from a, a kind of our position in the home uh, perspective um, I mean we're we're a utility uh, the fact that we yeah. that a, a, a utility is there to provide the services to customers that they really need to live their lives the best they can um, and that, that's what we do with energy I mean it, I, I heard it described once upon a time that that, that energy is magic people don't believe uh, that it, it's it's kind of as fundamental as it is because it's you, you don't value it until it's not there. Absolutely. Um, but uh, I, we want to find the next things that become those. Actually, if I didn't have that, I don't know what I'd do. Um, and and I'm with with the digital tech, with the smart home technology, with the the plethora of data that's out there. Um, I I certainly believe that there's a role for a utility to be that kind of hope that household partner. Uh, that there is a there's a, a kind of a trusted role within the household um, and and can can provide services that the customers really value and is, are integral to the way that they live their lives. Absolutely agree with you there, John. I mean, I think that anything that can maybe you know instill a better sense of loyalty and, and move people away from this you know this switching culture because you know as you say there it, it all does become relatively homogenous up to a point, but then when you look to you know, play that extra role in people's lives or, you know, keeping their loved ones safe or, you know, rightfully so their house is warm and, and lit, but perhaps there's extra little services that, that are a bit more delightful, then, you know, you definitely stand a much better chance of, of staying a, a bigger part in these people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing is, so that, that's kind of talked about um, doing different things. Uh, I think with the, the revolution that's happening in the, uh, the energy market with regards to distributed generation, to electric vehicles, yeah. to new forms of heating, uh, to electrical storage, um, the the role of the the kind of the energy utility is also changing in that regard. Mm-hmm. So we're going deeper into the energy vertical, um, so that we can provide solutions to customers, so that they can be more self sufficient if they want to be, or they they can be greener if they want to be. Um, so the I suppose there's. There, there's the kind of vertical of, of energy, and then there's the the, um, the horizontal of, of other other sectors. Um, and I, I think it's important that utilities are exploring both of those to make sure that we, we we maintain that role as a trusted advisor in energy, but we also broaden out our role as the as the trusted partner in the home. Absolutely spot on. Absolutely spot on. Well, John, I've got one more thing uh, to hit you with just before I let you go. I do appreciate your time. Obviously, you're the man who works in in this field. You're constantly surrounded by exciting and innovative things. If you were going to throw out a guess for what the next big thing, or perhaps you're a man in the know, the next big thing to hit the utilities industry would be from a technology from a technology perspective, what would you say that would be? One thing I would probably say is electric vehicles. Um, that's the that's the revolution that's coming. That's the uh, that's not only the significant demand for energy that's about to hit us, but it's also the enabler for uh, widespread kind of demand side response. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so storage on wheels, as I've heard it referred to. I like uh, that. Where. where Customers are going to be able to provide uh, services back into the grid and really uh, interact with the market in a way that 
really that their houses haven't been uh, built to do so far. Absolutely. I, do, do you have one? Are you going to get one? Uh, I haven't got one yet, and I'd love to get one. We've got an electric vehicles team uh, here in Blue Lab, which is going to be expanding its work significantly next year, and I'm hoping that uh, uh, as part of that, there might be some trial Teslas that I can take off for a spin. Oh wow, yeah. Well, maybe. Um, yeah, I'll have to. Uh, we'll have to stay in touch. I'll have to see if I can come down and do some of that as well. Absolutely. Spot on. All right, John. Well, listen, I really appreciate um, your time and for, for talking to me this afternoon. Lastly, if anybody wants to hear more from yourself or hear more about the work going on at Blue Lab, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, they can either find me on LinkedIn and uh, connect up with, with me there, or uh, we have a, a Blue Lab page on the EDF Energy website. So if you just Google Blue Lab, you'll, uh, you'll find us. Uh, and then you'll see a lot of the work that we're doing, uh, some of the products that we're we're launching uh, now and and, uh, and soon. Uh, so we've got things like our power powerful battery storage that's on there. Uh, we've got the uh, some some new technology that we're looking at around uh, smart heating. Uh, so it's all there to see. I'm very happy to connect. Amazing. Well, John, thank you very much for your time. It's really been great having you on the show. Great. Thanks very much, then, Ben. Thanks very much. Cheers. Now, bye bye. Okay, so that is the end of the first episode in 2019. I want to give a massive thank you to John for coming on the podcast and thank you to EDF Energy for letting me speak with him. That is the first podcast of the new year. Goes without saying, but I have some absolutely cracking guests lined up, so please do keep subscribed for more utilities, technology, innovation, content. It's going to be a cracking year on Talking Utilities. I'm really looking forward to bringing you guys more stuff. Um, you know, the the reception that I got towards the end of last year, the, the traction, the comments, the feedback, the support was all incredible. And I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody who listens. You can get me on Twitter. I'm at BenjaminL1ND. Follow me on LinkedIn, Benjamin Lind. You can send me a connection request, drop me a DM. I'm happy to chat with anybody who is doing some interesting stuff. Uh, and for any content outside of the podcast, that is to say articles, um, videos, speaking engagements, uh, just follow the hashtag Talking Utilities. So that's it from me, everybody. Thank you all so very much for listening. And one more time, I wish you all a healthy, prosperous, and exciting 2019. Speak to you all soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.